All right. We are December 6th at 2.13 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this is a layer two conversation between Ruth and Nick for lesson 2.4, training the mind. Three, two, one. Hello, beautiful humans, and thank you for being here. Today, Ruth and I are going to be recording our first layer two conversation together. And we hope to get lots of feedback from everyone watching. So any and all feedback is appreciated. Uh, the subtopic we're going to be discussing today is negative visualization. And this is part of lesson 2.4, which is training the mind. And this is going to be a layer two conversation for that topic, for that lesson. So we're testing a format today. Uh, this, is our, this is the first time testing this. So once again, feedback is welcomed as to how this actually ended up turning out. Uh, we're going to do a five-minute intro. We're going to spend 10 minutes each sharing our personal experience with negative visualization. And then we're going to do a five-minute outro that also includes practical tips and some resources for if, if and when people want to go deeper. Uh, the intro will end up being shorter and the outro will be longer, but that's kind of the structure that we're working with. And Ruth and I both um, implement negative visualization in our lives um, for various reasons and in different ways. And, uh, and we both feel it's a really important technique to share. So that's sort of where this conversation, um, that was the context that created this conversation. And, um, we also both realized when we started working on clarifying what we wanted to say, that this is a pretty juicy topic. It's like, it's a pretty hefty one. And so, you know, it could easily be a 90 minute conversation, but, uh, we decided to accept the challenge of keeping it to 30 minutes and essentially using that constraint, uh, to ensure that we only included what we feel is really important stuff. And, um, and like I said, in the outro, we're going to be sharing resources for going deeper and also, um, suggest a couple like easy experiments that you could do right after listening. So I'm going to hand it over to Ruth and she is going to share her experience with negative visualization and uh, we'll get to it. So Ruth, it's all yours. Okay. So hi everybody. This is, this is a juicy topic. And um, from, I'll, I'll first start with like what I think negative visualization is because we've had a lot of conversations about meditation um, and mindfulness and contemplating uh, whatever that means, right? So if you're sitting in meditation or you're, or you're practicing guided meditations or what have you, negative visualization is the opposite of like the feel good meditations. And then Nick, when you, when you have your 10 minutes, you'll probably give a deeper definition. But from my perspective, the way that I view this is contemplating the, um, mortality, my own personal death. And I'm smiling because it's making me really uncomfortable even to say it because this is a tab, like in our culture, in modern industrialized Western culture, I would say that we don't have a, we don't have rites of passage or practices around embracing even the word death. Um, and it seems to be from my life and what I've observed, I've been um, caretakers in assisted living um, homes and been at the bedside of people, loved ones and strangers who have died. But the one thing that never really occurred to me was contemplating my own death until probably in the last maybe 10 or 15 years, little by little, baby steps by baby steps. So we wanted to ask the question, why would we even talk about this? Because it's a creepy subject. So normally when I'm with my family and friends, and if the subject comes up, I'm really keen to dive into a death conversation, but nobody else wants to partake. 
So Nick and I were talking about like how nervous it is because number one, I get to talk about it. And number two, it's taboo. So I'm going to start with the why. The why for me is I became increasingly numb to what it means to feel thankful. That's not to say that I didn't have good manners and I was, I, I went through the motions of when I'm supposed to be grateful and saying thank you. And it occurred to me that like, as little humans, we're taught to kiss grandma, say thank you for that gift, even if you hated that gift. And so you go through the, you go through the motions of, of saying that you're grateful or that you're thankful, but I don't know that necessarily uh, we, especially as time goes on and we become adults. And even now we've in this, in this, these last few years that for me, gratitude is something where I feel a lot of fear and I don't spontaneously feel gratitude. And I feel that we've been bullied into how we're supposed to express gratitude and when we're supposed to feel it and what that gratitude is for. And the word thankfulness and gratitude have been commandeered just it, by commercials and Hallmark cards and such like that. So that we personally, I'll speak for myself, I find myself just going through the motions. And it wasn't until I started actually contemplating my own personal mortality, like, holy shit, I'm not actually going to be on the planet forever. Um, and that usually came when it, I was in a quiet, still meditative place. And only did it happen spontaneously if I was in natural surroundings. So like maybe in the woods or, or, or not necessarily camping or something, but I live in a place where there's a lake on the way to my tennis court. And there's a pond there that I've spoken about before where the swamp is very flat and I ride my bike or I walk there at night and there are no lights so that the, the world is not lit for us to see. And that is when I feel or under the stars where you could get eaten by a bear or you have like, you feel that your life could be in danger. Uh, and, in that, and in the world where we're comfortable inside our homes, you know, sitting in a, on a meditation cushion, it's not usually where I really truly feel um, a sense of mortality. It's usually happens spontaneously in, a, in natural surroundings. And then, and only then, when the thing that comes next, which is a hot meal or a cup of coffee or tea or a glass of clean water, am I spontaneously truly grateful? So contemplating my own death or the death of a loved one or beautiful flowers that are dying on my counter, only then do I kind of have a sense of gratitude for the rebirth and the life and all of the beautiful things that I'm so grateful for. So the first thing I wanted to say is Eckhart Tolle wrote a book called A New Earth, and he did a 10-week webinar with Oprah Winfrey that I participated in so many years ago, maybe more than 10 years ago. And they talked about this part of one thing that caught me, my attention was when Eckhart Tolle talked about this too shall pass. And, and this too shall pass, we always talk about in the way of like, when bad things happen, this too shall pass and soon you will feel beautiful and great and everything will be wonderful again. But Eckhart Tolle stopped in his, only his elfin way <laughs> and and let it let everybody be quiet for a second and then he said but everything all the good stuff will pass too and in this the back the recesses of my mind I was like what the hell is he saying <laughs> and I realized that I started to have the intuition about contemplating death but there was some something about relief in there too like oh 
I, everything is so much better if you just allow for that in, you know, that impermanence in. The second thing, the second time was when I was reading a book called um, Learning to Walk in the Dark by Barbara Brown Taylor. And she wrote this book talking, she wrote a book because she's was in the religious sector and then stepped away. And she was getting increasingly uncomfortable with how in the world where we have a bloated, capitalistic, ever-growing, always life-affirming world, um, that everything that was good and right and lovely was in the light and everything that was bad and evil was dark. And so she has this beautiful book about um, going into the dark places and letting that be nourishing. And that I associated with death. Cause I was like, Oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. But then there was this one part that spoke to me so much where she talked about in maybe generations before, maybe people still do this now, but you would, as parents, you would send your child down into the basement to get a jar and the child would be afraid to go down there because the basement's always scary. But she talked about it in this way, how we created these um, communities of el like eldership where the elders taught the, the children, the parents or the grandparents, how to manage the darkness, how to go into dangerous places that were actually safe. You know what I'm saying, Nikki Pops? So like mm -hmm. you got, we got to practice as children uh, being, um, being learning to be unafraid and learning to be brave and courageous as we come to what ultimately will be hopefully a good death for for us like talk like Stephen Jenkinson who is a, an amazing elder wrote a book called die wise he talks about like how we've rejected death and and how we well, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but essentially like how we learning to walk in the dark. She was talking about how you, you teach the children to go into dangerous places like the basement or out across the, the big yard to throw the garbage and it's dark and you don't know what's out there. But that is essentially a practice that is a, that is a negative visualization practice in real life. Mm. So those were the, those were the um, things that, that spoke to me initially when we talked about having this conversation. Um, and I guess since I've been practicing negative visualization formally now, I try to do it in a seated meditation where I contemplate through guided meditations, my own death. But then I also just try to look for more examples in my daily life and how can I embrace the full circle of life so that there can be some relief and not so much fear about what is to come natural in life. Amazing. That's really well said. I think our styles will be a bit <clears throat> different because I'm more going to list things off to make sure I covered everything, but uh, you're a great storyteller with you, Pop. It's like, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, the main points I want to cover are where I heard about negative visualization. Like when did this come on my radar? Why I use it? How I use it? What benefits do I get from it? Um, and I first heard about it through Stoic philosophy. <clears throat> um, I have this book that I'll recommend again at the end, it's called A Guide to the Good Life by William Irvine. And it's essentially a modern day guide to, of how to apply stoic, practical stoic um, elements of like a life philosophy in, in the modern world, right? Like I think a lot of people view philosophy as very esoteric where it's like, it doesn't have any practical application. Only certain people that speak that language understand it. But I think a big element of a lot of the core stoics was that this is actually supposed to give you 
the information to apply in your life as like a life practice. Having a philosophy of life is very important because it's kind of what ensures that you don't mislive, that you don't live a life that you get to the end to. And you're like, well, fuck, I didn't do what I actually wanted to do or what I thought was important. Um, and I think people often misinterpret the goal of the Stoics. Like the goal of Stoicism isn't to avoid or banish emotion from your life. It's literally just to avoid negative emotions, not uh, brush them off or suppress them, but just change your perspective such that not a lot of things make you feel negative emotions, right? And when you feel them, you're self-aware and you can recognize them and not be afraid and say like, okay, that's valid. Um, and, you know, just a lot of the principles that the Stoics embodies, like being reasonable, uh, being self-disciplined, being having a, uh, um, like an even temperament where you don't get crazy excited, you don't get crazy angry or depressed, like you're pretty well balanced and also having courage, right? It's like, it's hard to really like go into inner space frequently and figure these things out. Um, so why do I use it? I use it um, to train my, to train a healthy mind. Like I would, I would say is the easiest way for me to describe that. Like AKA have, I, I do it for my mental health. Um, how do I use it? You know, it's, it's intermittent. It's not every day. Um, but like when I'm, I have moments of solitude where I have no external inputs, no one's talking to me. I'm not listening to anything. I'm not wa watching anything when I'm just by myself could be on a morning, every morning I meditate for 20 minutes, 21 minutes now, something about that number that I like. Um, so it might be there or it might just be on a walk. Like oftentimes it's on a walk when I actually witness nature, because nature always reminds you that, um, the world is impermanent, right? When you see a tree, like in Canada, the seasons are very, um, there's a lot of contrast, right? Like after when we go into fall, all the leaves fall, the landscape is completely transformed and literally all these leaves that nature worked to build the entire summer and, uh, summer and spring season. Like she just lets them all go. She's like, yep, that's done. And I'm going to restart. I'm going to go into hibernation and I'm going to turn, I'm going to transition, right? Like the butterfly that used to be a caterpillar, there's a transition point. And so that always seems to be a good reminder to make me comfortable being like, okay, no, nothing's permanent, right? Everything goes through cycles. And, um, so what is it to me? Negative visualization is literally just spending time thinking about the bad things that haven't happened to me. That's my definition. Everyone's going to have their own definition based on their own practical application, but it's like, okay, we're all the bad things that could happen to me that haven't happened. And if they did happen, I've already kind of gone through it. So they're not actually going to catch me by surprise. And they're not going to be unbearable because I've already visualized this and thought like, okay, well, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? I die. Well, what happens there? Well, nothing really, right? I'm, I'm just not here. I can't do this exercise anymore because I'm gone. But, um, you know, you run through that. And when you're comfortable being like, if that ever happened, what's the worst thing that happens? Well, nothing actually bad happens. I just die. This is just the way the world works. I can choose to think of that in any way I want. But at the end of the day, just admitting that it's like, okay, well, that's the worst thing that can happen. It's not that bad. Well, anything that happens to me might be inconvenient, but it's not going to be that bad. Like I can deal with it. Um, and I think, you know, it can be something, it can be imagining the death of like my brother or my mom. And guess what? If I visualize the death of my mom, which sounds like people mm -hmm. are probably like, why are you doing that, dude? That's silly. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. What it does for me is when I see my mom, I'm so thankful that she didn't die right? Because I prepared myself, embraced myself that one day that will happen, maybe before me, maybe after me. Um, but accepting that that could happen makes me very thankful to have every single second with her, right? And I'm, I mean, this is my aspiration. I don't do this all the time. I probably, right. I don't do it that frequently, but I find myself doing it more and more because I see more things that remind me to do it. Um, and the benefits I get from it, it makes me feel thankful for what I have, right? Um, because if the things I have could get taken from me at any moment, then it makes me really happy that I have them. 
Otherwise I'm happy. I have them until I want the next thing. And then I'm happy. I have those. And then I want the next thing. But if you're just grateful for what you already have, it almost removes the need to want things you don't have. So I find that to be a benefit. If the negative things ever happen, like sometimes I imagine my car, my car tire might go flat, might be really inconvenient. And every day my car tire doesn't go flat. It's a good day. And <laughs> if it does happen, I'm like, yeah, I imagine this makes sense that this would happen. Bad things happen sometimes and I'll just deal with it. And so it just, it takes away like some anxiety um, of always having to, uh, you know, like worry about bad things happening by just accepting that bad things will happen to me at some point. And, you know, if I imagine them in advance, if I constantly imagine people breaking into my house, maybe I think of ways to make my house harder to break into. Like there are benefits in that respect too. But I really just think that, you know, it makes me appreciate what I have when I imagine that those things could be gone and the acceptance of them going away and that not bugging me makes me a lot more comfortable with reality because if the worst thing happens, it's still okay. So mm -hmm. that's sort of my take on negative visualization, which is um, more programmed into my life. And, um, you know, anytime that I have some solitude time, it's like those thoughts often, those are good times for me to kind of go through and it will be a really quick exercise sometimes, right? It's like just thinking of, okay, well, what's one thing I have that I like? Well, if there's money in my bank account, what if all that was gone? Well, that's okay. I still have people around me that love me. I'll still have a roof over my head. I'll figure out a way to make more money so that I can keep paying my rent and that's okay. And so it can be anything that you have. It's not bad for things to bring you joy, but don't let those things control you by making you miserable if they go away. And I think that's like the crux of ne negative visualization um, for me. Yeah. You know, just uh, uh, as we, as we wrap up and, and um, give some experiments and some resources, I will say that I, I remember how when people say you should be grateful for what you have. And, and so you try, right. But you, but I think what you're saying is like, you, you could really truly be grateful if you recognize that if you visualize not having those things, like, I don't think we are patient to say, well, we have to at, at least go through exercises of, of, of not having the things or the people or even our own lives. And I think the idea is not just to necessarily visualize it, but allow yourself to feel a sense of grief. So I think that is the next, the next step, right? To what we're talking about is, is not just to visualize it happening and be like, well, I have to feel gratitude because maybe I won't have my mom or my life or my car or my uh, air filled tire, but that you have to allow yourself to experience a sense of grief about that because we're cultivating a powerful image about these things and then creating um, space enough so that you can sense the grief that you would feel. That's where that spontaneous gratitude, I think, is born. Yeah, that's a really good point because, and I think it's important to mention too that when I first started doing this, it didn't feel like I was actually meaning it, right? Like I was like, I'm just gonna, I, I do it a couple of times. I'm like, oh, this doesn't, I don't think I'm doing this right. I don't really feel much. It's not that vivid of a feeling. I'm kind of like half-assing it because I don't really know how to do it yet. And through repetition, you develop, one thing I notice is that as time goes on, the vividness of how I imagine these things, of how I visualize things, like I visualize everything now. Like if I visualize the death of a family member, I'm like going through, what's the first time I see my mom if my brother died, what's the first time I see my mom? What's that going to look like? How am I going to deal with that? What shape is she going to be in? Um, you know, how are we going to coordinate and pull ourselves together to like, put like be able to mourn together? Like I, I go through a way more detail than I used to. And I think that is actually what puts me into that. Like it feels real now. 
because I'm, I'm actually like spending more thought energy into trying to honestly put myself there and see what I would feel by literally imagining that this is actually what happened. Um, and I think it's just like, cause I looked at the lessons and I was like, is this actually the most appropriate lesson to put this in? And one thing I realized is like, this is training your mind, right? This is a, mm -hmm. an, a, a psychological exercise that you do in inner space versus outer space, uh, being outside of you, inner space, inside of you. And it's a really good use of time in inner space, in my opinion, because I seem to do it more frequently. And so it's clearly giving me a benefit. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think the more detail at the start, it's going to feel fake, but as you do it through reps and you start to believe in it and you're just committed to like, I want to really like actually give this an honest chance. I typically start to have way more detail and, um, I'm not just trying to do it to get it over with. Like I'm actually like sitting in it. And it's more mm -hmm. uncomfortable and you have to be more patient, but it is a practice. So if it feels weird, it's okay. You got to practice. It gets mm -hmm. better just like anything. Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll wrap up by, by giving a couple of resources. Um, and then I think for uh, like a practical, and, and application, a, a practical application. So the, the, the practical application that I would like to give Nikki Pop is, I'm going to put in the link of our show notes, a YouTube video by Joseph Jenkins, who wrote the Humanure Handbook. And it's um, a 10 minute, maybe seven to 10 minute YouTube video on making a compost bin. Nice. So just like watching that. that would be a practical application. Sure. And should I, are we just going to go back and forth or should I give my other? You go for it. You go oh, for no, it. We're gonna do re one... You give practical application and then resources. Okay. So practical application, if you're listening to this, as soon as you're done listening to us, imagine something that brings you joy, something you love, a belonging or a person and start a timer that beeps after five minutes, sit down. It can be on a walk. Maybe you sit down any way you want, but just give it, give this experiment five minutes and just try it. Imagine the one thing that brings you joy, the thing you love and deeply and as vividly as possible in the course of five minutes until your timer goes off. Imagine that you didn't have that thing and how that would make you feel. Would it alter your life? How would you emotionally feel if it got stolen from you, if it got taken from you? Um, examine like how those feelings indicate your relationship with that thing. Like, does that thing have a lot of power over you? Are you super upset now that you lost that thing? Um, so just take five minutes, imagine something you love, something that you covet, something that you brings you joy and just imagine it went away and just like really like give it an honest go going to feel weird. It's okay. Just give it an honest go. And then my resource is a guide to the good life by William Irvine. Uh, it's literally a book I read at least once a year. Um, it has a whole chapter about negative visualization as the most powerful technique that the Stoics, uh, according to him, his self-selected most powerful Sto uh, psychological te technique that the Stoics sort of like embodied and talked about. So that would be my favorite resource for going deeper in negative visualization. I have two resources in the way of books. Uh, I mentioned Barbara Brown Taylor's Learning to Walk in the Dark is a beautiful book um, to, to dig into nourishing darkness, muddy waters. And, um, and I'm in the middle of Die Wise by Stephen Jenkinson, which is a no joke, um, yeah, chapter by chapter, book. word by word, word by word. Um, not it's not that's not your mama's death book <laughs> that's like that's like yeah. serious so that's that's it so thank you all for tuning in and like nick said we welcome all the feedback the questions um and we will catch y'all later right nikki pop
You got it. And if anyone wants to suggest a resource for us to put on this, um, I don't know if we'll make GitHub files for these, but it might be a good idea because that way everyone can put in plug in a resource. Um, but yeah, if you have any suggestions, feedback or resources uh, around negative visualization, please send them. We'll include them. And thanks for listening. Yep. Ciao for now. <laughs>